You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing today? You well? Nice to see you. It is so good to see you. Can we thank one more time these worship team for leading us so well every week? Every week, there's different worship leaders, different staff, different crew, different volunteers, and the bar is always so high. They'll be back in a minute for one more song, so stay tuned for that. I'm going to put on a screen um, a welcome slide. If you're new to ACF, and i got to greet all you guys online, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad to have you here with us. Um, If at any point you'd like to know more about ACF, you can text the number that's up there, or better yet, just take that QR code, which I have no idea what that stands for, and uh, somehow it connects you to us. And you get a link back, and we're happy to share with you about small groups, student and children's ministry, prayer ministry, missions ministry, uh, obviously worship and tech ministry. We have um, guest services. Everything we do here is pretty, pretty cool, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. So um, if you're looking for a way to connect, that's the first step right there. It's pretty simple. Um, next slide, family, house, fellowship. Okay, uh, Jason and Gina Gordon sitting right here. They have been with us. Jason's been on staff, I think, eight years. And been, they've been in ACF longer. I remember meeting him right back there in the hallway on a July night. Was it July? It was hot. Let's go with that. And they have felt a growing burden. They live in Cedar Park. He was part of our Brushy Creek community back in the day. And they have felt a growing burden to try to reach some of the people that are not attending church in Cedar Park. And they're leaving ACF to plant a church in Cedar Park called Family House Fellowship. And I want you to um, stop by on the patio when they're done, which is right here, and pick up one of these, okay? And give serious, especially if you live in that area, but give serious consideration. Because when we started ACF, I mean, we had nothing. And there were some people that came along and said, you're crazy but we're gonna support you anyway, and let's go, and we wouldn't have made it without them. And church planters need leaders. Church planters need partners. And so if you'll talk to Jason and Gina after this service, maybe scan the QR code that's up here. Um, Maybe pray about making a commitment to serve those guys with prayer, with finances, with your time. I think they have a next fall possible launch date but he's hitting the ground running first thing tomorrow morning. Will you pray about, <laughs> will you pray about supporting these guys? Um, it's gonna be an amazing place. The burden is family. So you agree? Can we just say amen to that and, and encourage these guys and um, see you on the patio afterwards? I'm so proud of y'all. This is the ride of your lives. Buckle up. It's going to be amazing. Um, Please see them after the service. Okay, if you need a Bible, will you raise your hand? We have Bibles in Spanish and in English, which makes me so excited. Uh, Raise your hand. We'll get you one of either kind if you want one. And the rest of you find, if you would, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to jump back into what we're talking about. I've seen so many of you coming in with Scripture. Thank you for bringing your Bibles. I hope the rest of you will do it as well. Matthew, the fifth chapter. And uh, keep your hands up if you need a Bible. We need to get a different hand signal for Spanish versus English. We'll have to figure out how that works. Um, okay, let me pray. Lord, thank you for the time of worship. Thank you for the beautiful day in Austin, Texas. The weather, thank you for 
this time of year. Thank you for Jason and Gina and the just amazing, blunt illustration of obedience, God, and what they're doing. And I pray for this church, for their vision, that for, you'll bring them leaders, that they'll do exactly what their hearts are saying, that they'll bring people that are not going to church to you and have great favor and great provision. And I pray that tomorrow, maybe even today, but definitely tomorrow, they'll begin to get those love notes. If they, I know they already have, but more of them, that they're on the right track in this thing. And I pray they feel our blessing and support as they go. Um, we pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters on the East Coast in Florida, the Carolinas, Georgia, and just the brutality of what happens in our fallen world when nature does what it does. And the loss of life, the loss of property um, is devastating, God. And I know the churches are rising to the occasion even as we speak. Um, they can get in sometime places where the government cannot. And so what I pray for, as we've had a wave of destruction come through that state, those states, I pray now for a wave of life and hope and resources and prayer as this is, a, this is a huge hit, Lord, for our entire nation. We have these one after the other, Lord. It just depends on where you are. This is another one, and I pray the church will be the church. When God's people cry out for God's help, God's answer is God's people. And so I pray for them, Lord. Pray as midterms approach that you'll put your hand on this nation and let peace prevail. Let peace prevail. And Lord, as much as we love the weather, we pray for rain. <laughs> we pray you'll fill our lakes and aquifers and rivers and streams, Lord, with water. Um, and, we, and continue to fill your promises to us. And Lord, thank you now for the opportunity I have to teach. May it honor you. And I pray this in your name, amen. I want to thank my sister, Julie Washington, for what she did last week in teaching here. Um, she did an amazing job. And um, one of the best messages on morning I've ever heard. And if, you, if you're new to ACF today or haven't been following along, we're in the Beatitudes, which are the kind of the preamble to the Constitution of the Bible, the Constitution being the Sermon on the Mount. And these statements, eight statements by Jesus, kind of, um, well, they're basically a survival code to how to live in what I call a Genesis 3 world. The Genesis 3 world we call it here at ACF is the world affected by sin, the world that unleashes hurricanes on you that God did not intend. And the world that lives without God that has a set of values that are inconsistent with God's and are constantly pulling on our attention. The first eight verses, the first nine or ten verses of Matthew 5 are basically a survival guide for living in a Genesis 3 world, followed by three more chapters of it, Matthew 5 through 7. But this is the, this is the if you're underwater, this is your regulator and your tank, the Beatitudes are. We're walking through them one by one. Let me read them with you. When Jesus saw Matthew 5, 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Notice the change in nouns there. Crowds down low, disciples up high. Crowds don't go up mountains to find Jesus. Disciples do. Then he began speaking and taught them, Blessed 
are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The verse we're dealing with today, please don't get up and walk out. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. They won't earn it. They won't conquer it. They'll just receive it. To say, as I've said before, that these propositions of Jesus were stunning would be an understatement of the year. So as I'm teaching this with you, and I'm, I'm back on stage now for I think the next seven, eight, nine weeks. So I'm going to be here a minute. Um, the rest of the messages, we're going to deal with a condition, a promise, a little bit of talking about restore, a theme in our church right now, and then a bottom line. So let's start with a condition. Jesus says, blessed. Um, it's the word makarios, which I shared with you a few weeks ago. Um, blessed is, always implies, if you ever say, I'm blessed, um, the, maybe you say it casually, not really thinking about it, what it means, but blessed means you've received something. A blessing is something that's been given to you. We say children are a blessing of the Lord, the scripture says. We've been really blessed with great weather. We've been blessed financially. We've been blessed with good health. The word blessing implies favor, implies you've received something you might not have had. It's not, um, you know, you've not, the beatitude does not say you've been given what you deserve or what you've earned. It's, it's blessings imply, man, I got this, I didn't expect it, and it's really, really good. But what's so funny about using the word blessed, makarios, is what follows, blessed are the poor. As Julie taught last week, blessed are those who mourn. Really? Now remember, this is a survival guide for living in a world that is hostile to God. Okay, this is what this is so important. This is your, this is your how to live in a world that doesn't do God. These, here you go. So everything that gets promoted on this kingdom, little K, has got to be flipped, and you've got to start promoting a whole new set of values for the kingdom, big K, that we're all called to if you're a follower of Christ. Not if you just know who he is, not if you're a casual with him, if you consider yourself a follower and part of the kingdom, then these, these governing principles are really important for you to keep you from being sucked into this swirling storm and really drain that is culture, that is the little kingdom. So the principles, he says, you're blessed. You've been favored by God, makarios, when you're meek. <laughs> Put that on your resume. Attributes, great character, and meekness. That'll get you a long way in the marketplace. The word meek, well, you could, you could um, throw out what you think are synonyms, but it has a pretty bad rap today, don't you think? Um, when I say meek, most often you hear weak. And Jesus, and that may have been even the, some of the thought pre-Jesus, but Jesus added a nobility, forgive the language here, a coolness and a studliness to meekness when he began to teach what it really was and what he, he modeled meekness in his life. 
So let me throw out some, some redefinitions for you of meekness and that thing, this condition for Christians which brings about blessedness. Let's go with spiritual poise. Okay? A quiet, strong, but unassertive confidence. Meekness doesn't feel the need to prove anything. Now, remember, there's a chain of events here. The poor, those who mourn before God, the, the poor in spirit receive the kingdom. They're broken over their poverty before God, spiritual poverty, and they are comforted. Friends, when you've been comforted the way God comforts, it produces meekness. It takes you off of the need to elbow your way to the front. Once you've been touched, healed, restored, blessed in such a way by God, your whole worldview changes, and that's what Christians are. Christians are people whose worldview has been marked by something other than what you can get on the planet. When you've been, when you've been healed the way Julie talked about last week and being healed and comforted by God, the kind that sets you free from fear and anger and unforgiveness and sadness, that kind of, then suddenly there's a, another word, gentleness that begins to come out of you. We all walk with a limp the rest of our lives after you've been broken, but it's a good limp. It's, not, it's a reminder of from where your strength comes. So meekness is this poise, this confidence that is the result of being touched in a healing way by God because you've mourned. And it changes you forever. Okay, what meekness is not? Got to list these for you. Three things meekness isn't. Number one, I've already said it, it's not weakness. I, I lost some of you at meek because you thought I'm, I'm not weak and good. It's not asking you to be. Uh, weakness in the sense of being a victim is not something the Bible honors. It's not weakness. Secondly, it's not ambivalence. Some of you hear meekness, you think somebody with a laissez-faire attitude toward life. Whatever. You know, I just kind of go with the flow. It's, that's not it. That's not it. Remember, it's quiet confidence, spiritual poise. Third thing meekness is not, it's not passivity. It's not being passive. You can be meek and be very active. Jesus was meek, but he wasn't passive. Okay? All right, I'm feeling a little need to have you guys kind of wake up with me a little bit. Okay? I need you guys to wake up. Don't need to just have you stand up and do spiritual calisthenics. I'm not asking for you to do that, Lauren. <laughs> but I really need you to get this. You're underwater. I'm handing you a regulator. A snorkel's not going to work. You've got to you know how to breathe underwater. You're underwater. And without what I'm teaching you right now, you're going to drown. So whatever it is going on in here that is making us a little sleepy, I need you guys to wake up because this is the lifeline God gives us for survival in the dark world controlled by forces that are opposed to you and hate God. Okay? Take a sip of coffee. Nudge your neighbor. Here we go. Meekness is... 
Christ-like. Okay? Meekness is, Jesus said, come to me. He's talking about those of you who are weary from trying to keep up the law, which is awfully hard. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a quote from Exodus 33. He's quoting God. Take my yoke, yoke was that the oxen were on their shoulders, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, same word, meek, and humble in heart. Jesus described himself, Jesus, the, the King of kings, Lord of lords, the one who set captives free, who cast out demons, who could control nature, who would rise from the dead, all these things, who opposed religious hypocrisy, who elevated the least of these, who totally set how women were viewed in culture on a completely high level, all these things. He said he was meek. So whatever meekness is, it's very Christ-like. If you have an opposition to meekness in your spirit, you have an opposition to Christ-likeness because he said of himself that he was meek and gentle. God said of himself in the Old Testament that he was gentle. Okay? Secondly, it's the fruit of God's comfort. I've already said that. Meekness is what's happened when you've been touched by the healing and comforting hand of God. It just makes you gentle. It changes you. And, and I'm looking at a room full of people, many of you who know that because you've experienced it. And when you've gotten up from your knees from a brokenhearted stance and been over-redeemed, over-restored by God, then you know, man, my game just changed. I feel less of a need to punch people than I had a while back. Next, about meekness, it's contentment. That's huge. The meek do not feel the need to grasp and grab and fight their way and elbow their way and cheat their way or lie their way or compete their way to the top. They've, they've seen a different top. The meek have seen something that makes them not want to have to compete. They don't need to. It's a contentment that takes the pressure off of always, this is so freeing, please hear this. It takes the pressure off of always trying to get ahead. Meekness. And the third thing is gentleness. One of the great phrases of meekness is strength under control. You've all seen strength out of control. I think of President Putin in Russia right now. That's actually not even strength, it's weakness out of control. It's fear out of control. It's insecurity out of control. He's addicted to power and he's threatening to blow up the world because of it. Meekness is having all the, all the power, all the authority, and not feeling the need to exercise it. Jesus had all the power, all the authority, and he said, in my kingdom, the people who wash feet are the ones who get ahead. Not the ones who flex and, and press and... and insult and scramble and grasp and grab, but I have all the authority in the world and I don't feel the need to exercise it. So it's gentleness. It's, it's being around um, great power and great strength and not being intimidated. Okay? All right, so let me show you some pictures. I want you to meet Bennett and Caleb. Okay? Caleb is the boy. Bennett is the dog. Okay? Bennett is a golden doodle, which we all think pretty much golden doodle owners think that they're cartoon characters posing as dogs, if you know them. 
He's a big boy. He's probably 125, 130 pounds. Caleb is at that stage probably three. He's about to turn four. Okay, next picture is there's Caleb and Sammy. Now look at how gentle Bennett is. When I'm with Bennett, he wants to play. And the dude can play. I mean, I was in the house last week with Bennett and he was on my back and that dog was just coming at me and throwing lefts and rights and trying to bite me and wrestle with me. Of course, I was provoking it. But Bennett can go. Bennett's a big boy and he can absolutely go. But look how he's sitting there with Sammy. Now, what I want you to know is that Caleb and Sammy harass Bennett incessantly. He never gets, he never gets a break and he never responds. Next picture is a handful of mouth from somebody. That's probably Sammy. Bennett's like, seriously? How long must this go on? And, and he just, if I did that to Bennett, he'd be all over me. But here's the, his, this next picture sums it up. Look at this next one. That's dog abuse is what that is. Look at those legs, by the way. Now, they feel totally safe with Ben. Look at that face. He's like, seriously, please rescue me. Help me out. Isn't that a great photo? And I was thinking of strength under control this week, and I thought of Bennett. Because he could go. But he didn't feel the need around others to prove himself, I guess. He just knows the difference. Are you okay, and here's meekness hitting, here's, here we are, are you okay not feeling the need to prove yourself? Are you okay not letting everybody know how successful you are? Those who are meek rarely overshare. Are you an oversharer? Those who are meek don't feel the need to overshare. So the condition is you're blessed because you've been touched and healed by God, and that produces in you a spiritual poise, a quiet confidence that you don't feel the need to flex all the time in front of others. But we'll really get a better sense of this when I add now the promise. Blessed are the meek because they inherit the earth. And this is where this gets really fascinating to me. Remember, all of these are oxymorons. There, there are two things that don't belong together. Government intelligence, right? Baylor football, okay, right? Texas football, that's what they won yesterday. Uh, country music, two things that should never be used in the same sense, right? Okay. I could do this all day. I got a lot more of them. The meek inherit the whole earth. This is where this gets so stunning to me. Now, Jesus had a Bible. It was the Old Testament. Jesus was a student of his Bible. When Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth, the congregation, the audience went, aha, they've heard that before. See, it wasn't original to Jesus. It was from one of his favorite passages, which was Psalm 37. You need to go read Psalm 37. If you're doing the small group curriculum I wrote for this study, I have you read Psalm 37. Because all he does is take what King David had said a thousand years earlier and apply it to his culture. King David 
was somebody who'd been promised the kingdom by God, and yet there was a ruler over him named Saul who was intimidated by David. Saul felt the need. Saul wasn't meek. Saul felt the need to show how powerful he was. He was intimidated by David. He was, felt, felt David was a threat. He tried to kill David on two different occasions, and twice God delivered Saul into David's hands, and David wouldn't touch him. He said, I will have the kingdom when God chooses to give it to me. That's meekness. That's the difference between trying to achieve something, Saul, or being driven, and trying to receive something, David, or being called. When there's a mark on your life and you're called, you can wait for God to give you the kingdom. Saul had to fight for it, and he lost it. So David said in Psalm 37, I'm going to show you five, five verses and listen to, listen to what Jesus was, from what David was drawing. Psalm 37, verse 9, For the wicked shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Notice the contrast between waiting on God and wickedness. Verse 11, this is the one Jesus quoted, The meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Since when has meekness ever been connected to prosperity? When you wait on the Lord and let him provide, you'll have way more than you ever need. When you try to do it on your own, you'll never have enough. Oh, by the way, the next beatitude is blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not material things. Because they've been touched, they have all they need. So now their hunger and thirst changes. We'll do that next weekend. 37.22, for those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. Blessed are those who the Lord gives the land. For 29, the righteous shall inherit the land and live in it forever. All this in one psalm. Final verse, 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, for he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you will look on the destruction of the wicked. David, David lived this. And he found the secret into giving all that you need was in letting God give it to you. I'm not saying don't get up and don't go to work every day. But there is a drivenness, there is a, there is a pursuit of more in culture that is killing us, friends. To the point that we don't understand spirituality. Remember, meekness is spiritual poise. Spiritual poise. You understand spiritual realities and spiritual principles that allow you to take your foot off the gas pedal. And we are so consumed with the now, the material, we don't understand anything about this. And we've been absolutely dulled in understanding what spiritual realities are. We think all we see and all we can touch and all we can grab is all there is. And it's going to be gone like that. And Jesus said, if you wait on me, I'll give you the earth. The land. Remember, the land and Israel were tied together. Oh, by the way, Jesus said this to a people with Roman soldiers standing around who had occupied their land. He said, I'll just give it to you. Curiously, there's not going to be a new Austin in the heaven and earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. I'll give you the land. You'll have all you need. Do you see, I, we've talked about this. I promised you week one that this was gonna be a collision with the values we have embedded in us from being humans in a Genesis 3 world and the values of the kingdom. 
it's an inevitable collision. And it started week one talking about brokenness because we don't do brokenness well. It, taught, it, start, it followed up last week when Jules said, teaching the word here, that you, sadness doesn't bring comfort. Mourning does. And mourning is a connection between God's pain, between your pain and God's promise. Well, that's a collision because we don't mourn. Well, here's another collision because everything in us says we got to grasp and grab and fight to get ahead and claw and cheat if we have to and lie and manipulate our taxes and torture numbers till they confess to what you want them to say and be ahead of our neighbor and keep up with the Joneses, et cetera. There's that, that pressure to keep your foot on the pedal. You can't afford to take it off. Somebody might pass you up. Those who've been touched by God don't care if people pass them up. They're walking it. They're in a whole different race. That's the meekness that this is. To, I'm not even in the race that you're in. I'm, I'm literally marching to the beat of a different drummer. And all this pressure that's going on around me I'm not even worried about it because I'm following a different path. That's what the meek are. And the promise to them is they will receive everything they need. and They don't have to go get it. It'll just come. Think of Abraham and Lot in Scripture. Abraham, the man who basically God chose to be the first leader of the nation of Israel, and his nephew Lot, and they've got, they've both got riches and wealth and animals and shepherds and more possessions and the land can't support them both. And in an unbelievable moment of humility, Abraham says to Lot, look, we can't, we can't stay together. Really, as the elder, he should have said, I'm going this way. But in a beautiful demonstration of meekness, Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, the God touched by God, the father of faith, says to his Lot, to his nephew, hey, which land do you want? One was dry and arid, one was green and lush, and what would you do? Lot, in complete dishonor to his uncle, says, I'm going where the green stuff is. And Abraham says, go, be blessed. And then God taps Abraham on the shoulder and says, well done, sir. It's all going to be yours. That's inheriting the land. Sure, take it. I'm going to, my trust is in God. And sure enough, Abraham ended up with all of it. He ended up rescuing Lot from a little place called Sodom, you may have heard of. It's right outside of College Station, if you hadn't noticed it. <laughs> just sorry, just got to get it in there. Yeah, see, yeah, good. Just west of College Station, Sodom. Okay, perhaps I should move on. Okay, so what does this beatitude mean? God's comfort changes you. When you've mourned over your brokenness and been comforted, your, your, your dynamics and how you relate to the planet change. And there's a gentleness that, is, that accompanies those who've been touched by God. Best way I can say it. When you've been set free, when your sins have been forgiven, when you've been healed, when you've been restored and felt over redemption, you just see things differently. And you don't feel the need to fight and scratch and grasp and grab. You don't have to. Because that doesn't give you life anymore. Secondly, 
the more you pursue earthly wealth, power, and prestige, the less blessing, favor, and anointing you receive from God. They can't, you can't serve God and wealth. So there's an indirect relationship here. The more you pursue the stuff of the Genesis 3 world, the less of the kingdom you'll be able to know. By the way, one's going to outlast the other, and you can figure, do the math on it. So the more you pursue the kingdom that's going to perish, the less of the kingdom that's eternal you'll know now. But the reverse is true. The more you, the more you forego, and this is a choice, earthly wealth, this doesn't mean you don't have resources, but you don't chase them and pursue them, and you're very, very generous. Meek people are extremely generous. When you've inherited the land, you can be generous. The more you forego earthly wealth, power, and prestige, the more blessing, favor, and anointing you receive from God. See how that works? Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. You got to take up your cross and follow me. And you really can't carry much else in your hands when you're carrying a cross. So you've got, here's the collision. Here's the collision of your values. Which one are you going to pursue? Those who've been touched, those who've been healed, those who've been forgiven, tend to get off the, get off the, the gas and start pursuing an entirely different reality. And they, they, don't, they look like people go, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with him? Well, they've been kingdomized. There's a word. In the spirit of restore, our effort in these next several months to slow down as a church and let healing and restoration come. Again, I've been saying this since week one. Meekness calls you out of the rat race and meekness invites you to get off the treadmill. You just don't have to play the game anymore. Wouldn't that be great? To not have to play the game anymore? There's no winning at the game. I wonder if this moment right now, if you would take that invitation from the call of Jesus in Psalm 37 language to let what you need come to you instead of trying to fight for it all the time. To be okay with a nephew saying, I'm going to take the good land. And you go, bless you. Be blessed. I, my trust is in the God of heaven and the earth. Because he's given me, listen, he's given me something better than fame and fortune and wealth. He's healed me. He's forgiven me. He's given me the kingdom. So go. You can have all this world you want. I got something better. Bottom line, meekness is what happens when you choose receiving over achieving. There's a difference. Meekness is what happens when you go to the world like this. And you say, God, you know, my career's in your hands. My family's in your hands. My finances in your hands. It means you, again, doesn't mean you're lazy. Doesn't mean you're laissez-faire. It means you have, you're very focused on who you're supposed to be. But there's a freedom. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to fight. You don't have to grasp and grab. 
You don't have to go after the person who's, David refused to raise a hand against Saul even though he knew the kingdom was his. He waited for God to give it to him. Then you know it's yours. Something you take isn't really necessarily yours. Something that's given to you is. Welcome to the kingdom, folks. So we're going to go back to a moment we had a minute ago. And in this moment, I want you to pray for that collision that we're all having, talking about brokenness and mourning and now gentleness. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit kind of chip away at those walls and those beliefs that say you got to go hard you got to take no prisoners. you got to get ahead. you got to defeat the enemy and, and see how a kingdom mindset of being touched and being broken and being healed might change that. And ask God in this moment for the gift of brokenness and the gift of healing and the gift of meekness and see what happens. You can pray. You can stand. You can sit. You can come to the front. Let these guys minister to you. You, you sit before the Lord and, and invite this concept of meekness maybe to invade your prophecy for just a minute. Lord, I pray for this time. I thank you for these great words of Jesus. I pray you'll apply them to our hearts now. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.